Let me tell you what, we got a subject matter we're going to look at this morning that I hope doesn't make any of you mad, but if it does, uh, we've got a counseling center outside that will we'll help you. And, uh, and we'll bless you with that if you need it. But uh, we, we, this needs to be dealt with because let me tell you what, this is where the rubber meets the road in us living a victorious life as Christians here on this earth in preparation to the eternal heaven that God has for us. And, uh, and it's going to be dealing with a battleground, one of the greatest battlegrounds of all, and, uh, and that is in the mind. So we're looking today at mental warfare where the real battle takes place. I mean, this is where it really takes place. And I'm going to show that to you and how you can leave here winning. Not going to be a winner, but prepared and set up to win this battle in your life. So we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses there. Starting at uh, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So don't be fooled. Don't think that just because you're in this physical body that the real warfare is with this physical arena around you. He goes on to say, It's the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal. They're not made of man. They're not carnal. But our weapons are mighty in God to do this. What? Pull down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing some thoughts. No, bringing every thought, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word is anointed. Your word gives life. Your word gives light. And your word gives authority. So, Lord God, thank you for your word. Now, as we study it, we pray, Holy Spirit, you who authored this word, who is here present with us, that you would lead us into revelation knowledge and illuminate our minds and our spirits and our understanding that we might walk in the word, not being hearers only, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 I'm here to tell you this morning the Christian life is not as hard as we try to make it. I talked to some Christians and uh, they're, they're like, you know, my life was much easier before I became a Christian. Man, when I was in the world, everything was fine. And I said, yeah, I remember getting called in the middle of the night there. Your wife and children ran to the neighbors because you came home drunk and, and angry and trying to hurt them. And the police were called and you got locked up, domestic violence. And I remember then I'm trying to get the bail and everybody trying to pull together to get you out and try to get you into treatment and you didn't want treatment. Yeah, your life really was great before you were a Christian. Boy, the devil is a liar. He tries to tell you your life is better before you're a Christian than after you're a Christian. Now here's the picture. Jesus said, Satan comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. And I've come but to give you life and life more abundant. Now if you've committed to live for him who wants to give you life, Zoe life, that means blessed in every area of your life, physically, spiritually, relationally, every area of your life. He says, you want to be blessed there or this guy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And you're telling me when you live for him that his death and his destruction and his theft in your life was better than Jesus? The devil is a liar. And if you say that, I'll say it to you. The devil is a liar. 
Man, the Christian life is not as hard as we try to make it. And I didn't say it's easy, but there's going to be battles, okay? And here's some of the battles that we have to deal with. There are spiritual battles with Satan and demons. You say, is there really a devil? Is there really demons? You better believe there is. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far as one church I did ministry in. And I got there and they had little, uh, looked like aluminum foil wrapped little boxes on both sides of the, of the uh, platform. And it wasn't near Christmas time. And I was just curious and I asked someone, are these Christmas gifts, they were all the same size, are these Christmas gifts or something? I said, but they look like they're wrapped in aluminum foil. What is that? Uh, props for something? So, oh no, oh no. We're a deliverance church. And I said, well, praise God. And uh, we put demons in those boxes. And uh, we, that aluminum foil, the shiny, it's got the shiny side on both sides, and it holds them in there. And I was like, uh-oh, what have I gotten myself into? And then one of the gentlemen, no, he didn't, but this would have been a good idea, had put a remote, could have put a remote control something in one of those boxes and brought the kids in that were misbehaving and said, you know, you want us to let that demon out if you're going to behave yourself and make the box jump around? They didn't do that. That's just my crazy mind thinking there. But I'm looking at those little boxes and I'm like, whoa, they've got uh, uh, bound up demons in here. Well, we do have to deal in a spiritual world and the spiritual world is more real than the physical world. I understand that. So we do battle with Satan and his demons. And John 10 and 10 says, uh, Jesus said, the thief comes to accept, to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Bible didn't tell us to box up demons, okay? The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. And to rebuke demons and cast them out of wherever they're, you cast them out. And I, there's places in the Bible that says you send them to dry places. So maybe their boxes were dry places. I don't know. But uh, you just rebuke the devil and you may not see him, but you see the effects of what he is doing, uh, trying to do in your life. So there are spiritual battles with demons and the devil. I understand that. And uh, Jesus said in his name we would cast out devils. So, so we do know that's part of it. And then there's another battle. We have to battle with our flesh. And I know some of you battled with your flesh this morning. Your flesh said, sleep in. Your flesh said, you don't need this. Your flesh says, oh, you've worked so hard. You deserve a break today. Okay. And uh, your flesh was talking to you. Somebody know what I'm say saying? Say amen. Okay. Just a few of you. The rest of you got your fake halos on from the Dollar General. I understand. You're putting on your little Christian front. You jumped up this morning and said, Woo, I'm going to church, hallelujah. And your flesh didn't speak to you. But nonetheless, for some of us, we have to battle with the flesh. Now, Galatians chapter 5 talks about, in verses 19 and following, the works of the flesh. And these are the works of the flesh. He says, adultery and fornication and sex talk and lewdness and putting your faith and hope in others or, or in things or selling or using drugs or hatred or always fighting and jealousies and losing your temper and selfish ambition and building cliques where you exclude others and heresies and envy and murder and gossip, which is talk that destroys others and drunk, drunkenness and the revelries and the like. He says, all of these are the works of the flesh. Is what Galatians tells us in chapter 5. And, and he goes on to say, if you continue to do these, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when you get to Galatians 5.21, you see you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you let the flesh have its way. So you've got to battle with the flesh. You've got to discipline the flesh. 
because the flesh has some open doors that, that allows uh, influence to come in, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. 1 John 2 and 16 tells us those are gateways that the enemy tries to get in to get us off track. So I understand there is spiritual battles with Satan and his demons that we have to engage. There are battles with your flesh that we have to engage in. Then there's also these battles with other people. I don't know if any of you have ever had to battle with other people. Anybody ever had conflict with somebody else outside of yourself? Well, there it, there it is. But if you, I really don't put a whole lot to this one because it goes back to the other ones. The enemy will use a weakness in the person closest to you to try and push your button. Because if a stranger comes and tries to push your button, you say, he don't know me, she don't know me, it don't mean nothing to me, and you just ignore it, most of us. But if someone close to you who knows this irritates you and they do it, now you're ready to fight. You're ready to fight. So the enemy will use the weaknesses in people the closest to you. So you need to operate in grace here. Because let me tell you what, the enemy will try to use you to also do the same with the people closest to you. We need to operate in grace. We need to, we need to forgive before we even need to forgive, right? We need to walk in forgiveness. And then there's another battle that really is the one that's going to cost you the most losses or the most gains uh, in your life, and that is the battle in your thoughts, the battle with thoughts. And that's where we're going to be focusing today, this mental warfare. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, he's talking about taking every thought captive. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're not to fight each other. He said, but they are mighty through God. They're powerful through God to the pulling down of strongholds and bringing every thought into captivity before Christ. So, so I'm not saying we shouldn't cast out devils. And, I, and, and you should cast out devils and de of demons-possessed people. You should help them get free in Jesus' name. But you don't have to be possessed by demons for demonic activity to affect you. Come on now. It's possible for you as a Christian to have a thought life that invites the work of the enemy. The Apostle Paul talks about this where he says, I've been vexed by the devil. I've been vexed by the enemy at every hand. The devil's throwing. He's always got somebody that's accusing me. He's, got, he's trying to put thoughts in my head to get say you're not doing the right thing. You're, you're, you're preaching the wrong message. He said, I'm being vexed from every angle from the enemy. But he says, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to allow that vexation to take root in my life. I say it's time that we Christians mature, become responsible, and stop blaming the devil for everything. Come on now. See, amen. Thank you, Brother Jeff. I appreciate that. Got one, two, three. Praise the Lord. See, you, you, you might have a way of behaving that is due to a system that needs to be taken captive. There may be a thought system in your life that maybe you grew up with, and, and, and innocently it was passed on to you. It's just, it's just the way things were, so, so, as so you thought, and that's your thought system, but that thought system does not line up with the Word of God, and that thought system, because it doesn't line up with the Word of God, is given an opening for influence and effect of an enemy source that is bringing harm in your life rather than bringing good to your life. But when you destroy that system of thinking, by product, uh, the byproduct of that is that your behavior will change. 
It will change every area of your life. See, you cannot change your life by changing your behavior. Behavior management, believe it or not, is not the right way to go. You change your life by changing the way you think. Because the way you think is the, is the operating system by which behavior is being manifest. So we have to work on our thinking much more than we work on our behavior because by working on our thinking, if we get right thinking, we will get right behavior. It works in that order. So when our thinking lines up with God's thinking, let me tell you what, it shuts Satan out. It closes the door. It seals him out. It slams the window in his face. He cannot penetrate your life. Remember, he is Diablos, is what this Bible calls him. He is Diablos. And, and that means the accuser of the brethren. And, and he's going to bring accusation against you. That's what he does. It's his name. It's his character. He's going to accuse you. He's going to bring accusation. He's going to bring lies. He's going to try his best to get you to think wrong rather than right according to God's creative order. And when he can penetrate your mind and release his explosive power in and through your body and life, he wins. And if he's bringing uh, death and destruction and theft, that's what you have to deal with in your life. And he cannot penetrate your mind if you've got the full armor of God on. There's a helmet of salvation, the Bible says. Our head is protected with salvation and our heart's protected, what is it, with a shield of righteousness and a belt of truth and, and there's feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace where nothing is broken and nothing is missing. That's what you walk in. And you are I've got a shield of faith and you've got a sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God and you're praying always in the Spirit as He teaches us in Galatians about the, uh, the armor there, uh, the works of the flesh and walking in the spirit in Ephesians about the armor, how we can be victorious in standing our ground and not letting the enemy have his way with us. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like this, but I have. You met someone and you thought, wow, I know they say they're a Christian. I'm trying not to look at anybody because you may think I'm talking about you, so I really am not. <laughs> You met them and you said, you know, they say they're a Christian, but why do they act the way they do? Why are they so weird? You ever said that? Why are they so strange? Why do I want to run from that person rather than run to that person? They say they're a Christian. It could be because that person carries an attitude that carries a spirit about them that is coming from a system of thinking that has been developed in their life that is out of order with God's Word. And that's why there's that grit. That's why there's that, that caution. That's why there's that, that thing there. Now, I believe in deliverance. Prayed for many a people and seen things that they never thought they could be freed from them set free. And I believe when people come and pray and we should pray in the power of Jesus' name and see the forces of hell broken off of their life and the, and the, and the things in their life uh, turn positive. Uh, but let me tell you what, if you don't change the way you think, when you leave that time of prayer, you're going to go right back out there with an open door for the enemy to come in. And many times, as the Scripture says, he'll come in seven times worse. 
Let me, let's say it this way. Let's say, let's say someone smokes and they come in for prayer. They've been diagnosed. They got lung cancer. And the doctor says probably all of this uh, tobacco and the stuff has caused all this problem, breakdown of the tissue, and, and this cancer is here. And we pray for them to get healed. And, 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 and we've seen it many, many times. They've gotten healed. Praise God. He's a healing God. But let's say they go right back out and just start being the marble man all over again. Okay? They're just re-entering the, the very thing that caused them their problem over. And, 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 and we're not in no way trying to pick on uh, someone that, that's fighting that, 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 that addictive uh, nature that, boy, tobacco is probably more addictive, they say, than most any drug out there. But let me tell you what, that, that opens the door for a re-entry of that, that enemy of that infirmity. Let me just make it a little more practical. Let's say you're a, a carpenter. And uh, you just love your thumb. You love looking at your thumb. You admire your thumb. You think you got the best thumb ever. The sexiest thumb on planet Earth. So when you hold a nail, you just let that thumb stand right up there. And you're not careful. You smash your thumb because you let your thumb be more important than the nail. Okay. We pray for you and your thumb heals up. But let's say you go out there and admire that thumb with its bruise on it. Now, even more, if you're not careful, you're going to smash the same thing over and over. So we pray, but this, there's a, because you didn't change your behavior, you keep bringing it back. And many times a bruised thumb hit again hurts even worse. And the same is so when you go and re-enter, the enemy comes back and re-enters, the Bible says he comes in much worse. Okay? We could cast demons out of you. We could bind the devil. We could pull down strongholds and bind up principalities and put them in little shiny boxes. No, we're not going to do that. But I'm telling you, if you don't change your system of thinking, then Satan will have that same access back into your life that he had the first time. And believe you me, he is going to come back. See, when you were a sinner, get this, when you were a sinner, Satan owned you. You were born a son or a daughter of wrath, the Bible says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Satan owned you, and because he owned you, he infiltrated your life in, with ways of thinking that became landmines in your life. And they were designed to produce a destruction along with the curse in your life. That's exactly what he was doing. But the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a hope for a turnaround. That we can be born again, the Bible says. And when you are born again by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, Satan no longer has authority over you. Period. But... If he still has systems of thinking that were developed in your life, he has a place on the inside of your head that if, even if it's by remote control, he has influence over you. So we need to break down that system of thinking that, and, and, say, and, and no longer have that ruling our life and replacing it with the Word of God and what God teaches us by renewal of our mind. And that's exactly what God says. My word, as you meditate on my word and you think on my word and you study my word, you memorize my word and, you, and you're taught my word, he says it brings a, a renewal of the mind. And that's why God calls pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists and, and teachers and he raises them up. You know, I was going to be a CPA. And, and the last thing on my mind was I would ever be a pastor. But God, God wants apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, so he calls them. He knows none of us is going to sign up for it. We all run from it. 
Like, no way, that's not the life for me. But he needs that so that he can have these men and women teaching and instructing and, and bringing the Word of God and giving us uh, that time so that our minds can be renewed by the Word of God so we can purge out the old ways of thinking and take on the new way of thinking so the devil no longer has entrance into our lives and we can begin to rise up as sons and daughters of God, the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, blessed coming and blessed going in all of our ways blessed by him that's what he wants for us so we have to change our thinking and have our minds renewed now look at proverbs 23 6 it says this do not eat the bread of him that has an evil eye look at the person next to you and see if they got an evil eye just check it out is it flickering no no don't do that okay do not eat the bread of him who has an evil eye neither desire his dainty meals for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now look at here. He says to you, eat and drink. That you, that's what he says to you. But in his heart, it is not really for you. Wow. See, the devil understands this verse. He cannot do anything to you unless your mind and your flesh cooperate with him. Did you get that? He cannot do anything to you unless your mind and your flesh cooperate with him. And as a child of God, you're no longer his puppet. If you're born again, praise God, the strings have been cut. He is no longer your puppet. Hallelujah. He can't make you do anything. But here's the tricky part. If he has influence over your thought life, then he still has you. Come on. Notice the context of this verse of Scripture. As a man thinks, so is he. It doesn't matter what he's saying. It doesn't matter. He's feeding you. He's acting like your friend. But if in his heart he really wants nothing but destruction in your life, you can't go by the, the book, the cover of the book. You've got to look at what's in the heart. Come on now. We've been told, and I've said it before in my, in, in my ignorance of, of, of youth, in my ignorance of as I was growing in the Lord, we are what we say. We are what we say. I've said it so many times. But we need to understand something very clearly, and this is so important. The truth is really, we really are what we think. We're really what we think. Someone may ask you, how are you doing? And you may feel lousy. You may feel bad. You just don't feel good. You really don't even want to talk to them. But you put a smile on and say, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Right? You, you may even think you're making a faith statement. Okay. But listen to what I'm telling you. Who you really are is made up of what you are thinking on the inside. That's who you really are. And you say, well, if I just feel lousy and all this stuff, that's what I'm thinking, that's what I should start saying. No! Why should you give authority to that negative when all you have to do is change the way you're thinking and then say everything is fine and give authority to that and get good? The power of curses and blessings are in your tongue. The power of life and death, the Bible says, is in your tongue, but your tongue is connected to your heart, and if your tongue agrees with your heart and your heart agrees with the Word of God, you're going to say something that comes from God's Word and you're going to receive it. But if your heart is tied to your thinking, which is negative, and now you let negative come out, death and curses is what you're going to get. Wow. 
So, so we've got to be careful. That's why so many Christians are discouraged with the concept of speaking the Word of God or confessing the Word of God. Now, don't, please don't get me wrong. I believe in confessing the Word of God. I've got uh, my confessions, my personal confessions. I have them in several pages throughout the Shepherd's Guide. Please pick up a free copy in the foyer there. And, and they're powerful and they're scripturally based. And, and I like to declare them because I believe in confessing the Word of God. I'm an advocate for speaking the Word of God out of your mouth. But I'm not an advocate of speaking the word of God that you don't really believe in your heart. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10, look at the scripture that teaches us our very foundation of faith and foundation of salvation. If you, what? Believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. That's what the word of God tells us. The Apostle Paul says, you've got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in order to be saved, but that confession has to come out of a heart that believes that He is Lord. Just the confession itself is not going to help you. So salvation is the byproduct of these two things. The words that we speak, which are in alignment and in agreement with the belief that is in our heart. Do you get that second part there? That second part, there has to be an alignment and an agreement with a belief system in our heart that comes from our thinking in our head that now gives our words the power to release. So the focus needs to be on what we believe and what we are thinking, not just merely on what we say. We do need to say it to get the manifestation of it, but it has to come from a belief system that was built up by right thinking. Let's look at Mark 11 and 23 and, and uh, see, if, see if this rings a bell to anyone. Uh, Mark 11, 23, Jesus is quoted all the time. Says, you've heard it said. Jesus said, say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and it shall obey. How many times you've ever said that? Somebody's had a mountain or an obstacle in front of them. And said, well, Jesus said, say to your mountain, speak to your mountain, be cast into the sea and removed and it will be done. Hallelujah, glory to God. But... That's not what he said. That's not what he said. we got to get the right thinking so that we have the right believing so that our confession brings the right results. What he literally said was, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he then shall have whatever he says. See, we can't drop that most important part out. If you, you're not to doubt in your heart, but you've got to believe. You've got to get the right thinking so that you can get that belief system into your heart so that now from your heart that you believe it, you know this is what he says, you have the authority. That mountain can't hold you back. That mountain, that obstacle, that, that circumstance is not bigger than your God. That circumstance is not going to keep you out of God's destiny. And now you can from that authority speak, mountain be removed, circumstance be removed, cast into the sea, and the way is opened up. It has to listen. It has to obey because your confession has authority because your authority is based off of a belief system in your heart that right thinking had established does that make sense and the reason we don't believe it in our heart is because we're trying to conduct ourselves in, in a, you know what I would call appropriate Christian manner we're trying to say the right thing and sound spiritual speak God's word have the proper conduct 
Really and truly, get over it. Just get over it. That religious system has no power. There, there are those that the Bible says has a form of godliness, but they deny the power. Everything on the outside looks all spiritual, looks all holy, and looks all, but that, it's empty. It's empty. It's hollow. We need the power of God because we're dealing with real-life issues. We're dealing with a real enemy who is wanting to kill us and steal from us and destroy our lives and destroy our families. He's real. He's working in the spiritual realm beyond behind the scenes in a real way. We need to wake up and lay down all of the religious garb and say, let's get real. i gotta, I got to really believe what this Word of God is saying. I've got to meditate on it. I've got to study it. And I've got to have reinforcement enforcement and teachers that are anointed by God and preachers that are anointed by God and prophets that are speaking the word of God and apostles that are blazing a trail that the word of God can continue to go forth and teachers so that I can hear it over and over and get my mind renewed with a belief system that is right, not the one that was passed on to me, not the one that I observed uh, through growing up and just adopted, but now I'm thinking the right thoughts. These are God's thoughts. This is what God said. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am blessed coming and going and I'm not accepting anything else and anything that doesn't line up with that I'm coming against it with the word of God because I know it's out of order. It's a trespasser. It is a devil. It does not belong. I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to learn to just live with it. I'm changing that thinking, stinking thinking. I talked to something, someone recently and they said, well, Arthur's moving in. This person married and they're their husband's not named Arthur. I said, well, what about so-and-so? Where's he going? Oh, he's still there. Well, this is 21st century, and nothing surprises me anymore. So where'd you meet this Arthur? Well, you know Arthur. Arthur, no. I don't know Arthur. Is this your brother? No, he's not my brother. They laughed. He said, you know Arthur, arthritis. I'm 50 now, and time for Arthur to come in. I said, why do you say that? Well, my mom, 50, she said everything was downhill from 50. She got arthritis, dad got arthritis, grandma got arthritis. And there's a system. There's a system of thinking there. And they're opening the door and welcoming Arthur. Now, if Arthur's here with us today, Arthur, this is not anything personal against you. He's not Erica. You tell him. He's, he's, he's free and clear. We're not talking about him. So we're talking about arthritis. Okay. And uh, so I, I just, I had to hold myself back because I really wanted to pounce them and just beat them up. I just wanted to, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Listen to what you're saying. But I was nicer than that. And, uh, and I began to explain that. My mom grew up in the same system I grew up in. And she called me recently and she said, I'm 73 and I just finished cutting the ditches. I, I cut my whole yard. She's got an acre yard. And I cut the ditches with the push lawnmower. And she said, I'm, I'm tired. I said, I said, Mom, I'm, I'm just so excited that, that you're still staying out there. And she said, oh, if I had to listen to what I used to believe, I would be just like my mom and I would be uh, bound in, uh, homebound. She says, but boy, I have to keep calling you and you have to keep helping me, son. And she says, and, 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 and I need a little help right now with, with my husband. And she started telling me some things he was going through. She says, he, he's a little hard-headed. Monty, if you're watching this, Papa Monty, that's what she said. I didn't say it. I love you. I didn't say you got a hard head, but she said you're hard-headed. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> he'll admit to it. He's got a great sense of humor. So, and she, and she said, give me some words to share with him when he gets home uh, because he's got some struggles with uh, 
uh, health and, uh, and we, we need to, I need to get him turned around. He's already planning for his funeral. He's already, you know, going to get the grave plot, makes us all plotted out just because he got a, a little negative report. And she says, oh my, and I said, okay, let me talk to him. She said, well, he's not here. Said, so I had my little talk with her. We need each other. We need each other. Because when we're being blindsided, sometimes it can throw you off your game. We need each other, amen? But if we don't deal with our thought life, our confession's not going to produce any results. If we're thinking in our head, well, maybe this is my time. Maybe everybody does get arthritis. Maybe I'm just supposed to live with it. Maybe I'm just supposed to go down and down and down and not be like Moses at 120 where he climbed the mountain and his eyesight was not even dim. Somebody says, all that happened before the flood when they had long life. Well, Moses, this is after the flood, after being 40, actually 80 years in the desert. 80 years in the desert, 40 years in preparation for delivering the Israelites and 40 years bringing them through the wilderness, only eating manna six days and then having some stored over for the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Only having water come out of the rock, water and bread for 40 years in the desert. You'd say, well, you probably don't get your right nutrition from that. Well, it fell from heaven and I would think God who created our bodies knew what they needed nonetheless. So I want you to see that there are so many Christians that have spoken the word of God, but they don't see anything change. And that should not be. They, 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 the only way to change this for our lives is to change the weight of confidence we have in our heart towards what the word of God really says. We've got to believe. See, it takes both the working together of what you believe and that needs to precede what you say. Some people say you blab it and you grab it. Or you fake it till you make it. It doesn't work that way. You've got to think right, which gives an establishment of right belief. And from that heart of right belief, you can now speak and heaven cooperates with those words to bring that which is in heaven on earth. Because that's how God flows. So when you say what you really believe, which comes from what you really think, that's when your words have power. And I want you to go into this week with words of power. Another way for me to say this is our thought life is the author or the parent of what we believe in our heart. So, so, so when we get together in our thought life and we become intimate with our thought life and we get our thought life right and in correct order, it gives birth to what we believe. It gives birth to, uh, you might say, the manifest of that on earth. So what we believe in our heart when spoken out of our mouths, will come to pass. I want to equip you that you are no longer the tail, but the, the Bible says you're the head. In God, you're the head and not the tail. Now, if the Word of God says that, I'm either going to say God's a liar or my experience may not line up with it, so then I'm not going to say God's wrong. I'm going to say there's something in me I need to work on. There's something in me that needs to be amped up or something because God is not a man that he should lie. And if he says you're supposed to be the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath, why in the world am I living as the tail? Why am I living beneath? Come on now. And if I've confessed I'm the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath and nothing changes, it's not God's fault. I need to change something in me. So maybe I'm just hoping I'm the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath. And I'm hoping by saying that, that some miraculous way it's going to manifest and it doesn't. Jesus says, I've got to believe it with my heart, which is built up from a thought process in my head 
so that now when I speak it with my mouth, it has the power of heaven backing it. Hallelujah. Come on now. You look at your life. I know you've had it. If you've got any sense of, of walking in this Christian life, you've said one time or another, does this confession stuff really work? Does this confession stuff really work? And if it doesn't, there's a disconnect, and it's not God. Let me say uh, you get a, a brand new device, an appliance, uh, let's say a toaster, and uh, for Christmas or birthday or Mother's Day or Father's Day or just because you need it, you get a toaster. And this toaster has a label on it that says, that's its confession, I am a toaster. I toast your bread, I toast your bagels, I toast your Pop-Tarts, I toast your waffles or whatever. I'm a toaster. That's it, confession. And if you go down there and it's brand new, there's nothing really wrong with it, and it's confessing on its label that it's a toaster, and you put your, your brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts that if you're ever going to splurge and do nothing but carbs for something that's not healthy for you, but you just love the taste of it and you'll do it every blue moon. Oh, I'm having a little confession here. Okay. And... Um, and you put it in there, and you pull down the, push down the lever. Let me tell you what. You come back 10 minutes later, 5 minutes later, getting ready to walk out of the door, and you're going to take that hot Pop-Tart with you. It will not be popped up. It'll still be in the toaster, and nothing will be happening because we failed to plug it in. It has to be plugged in to the power in order for it to do what it confesses to do. And the same is true with you and me. Even though it's labeled, declared it's a toaster, if it's not plugged into the power, it's not going to toast anything. And you and I, we declare I'm a Christian, I'm the head and not the tail, I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out. But if we're not plugged into the power, our confession is not going to produce what we say we're doing because we don't have the belief system established in the Word of God, in the Spirit of God, to really bring heaven to earth. It's called by faith appropriating the promises of God. You can say, by His stripes I'm healed all day long. That's your label, and it may look wonderful, and there you got all the scriptures of where Jesus shed His blood, and by His stripes you're healed, and the promises of God. But if you're just saying it in hopes that it's going to happen, you're probably not going to see much happen. But if you'll get plugged into the power, and how do you do that? You start meditating on the Word of God. You start studying the blood of Jesus. Why the blood of Jesus? Where did Jesus shed the blood? Why did He go to the whipping post? He took stripes upon His back. It was prophesied that He would be beaten uh, 800 years before He was ever beaten. And there He is, stripped to, strapped to a post, being beaten like, a, like a, an animal. But He would not die there. He's dragged from there. He takes the cross. He goes to Calvary. And He's nailed to the cross. And on the cross, He says that it's finished. Then Peter tells us, us that by his stripes we were healed the prophet told us hundreds of years before he's going to be beaten on a post and by his stripes you're going to be healed and then Peter's telling us after the resurrection that what Jesus did on that post he did it for your healing so now you can come and you see that we're redeemed by the blood and the blood was the ransom the blood was the payment the sinless blood of Jesus is what it took to turn this thing around that what the enemy meant to kill me with this infection to kill me with this infirmity to kill me with this sickness to kill me with this disease He's only trying to kill, but Jesus has come to give me life, an abundant life, more abundant. So now when you meditate on this and you hear preaching on this and you hear teaching on this and then your mind finally gets it, this is for me. This is what Jesus did it for. He didn't do it for the show. He didn't do it to make a movie called The Passion. He did it for my healing. And when your heart grabs hold of that and you say, wait a minute, you think I'm going to let the trespasser live in my house? You think I'm going to let this thief live in my house? You think I'm going to let this this 
wonder and live in my house. No, you've got to go and you start exercising your authority. And the devil says he now knows his authority. He now knows and the devil says, I'm going to pack up my bags and I'm going to leave. Hallelujah. That's why we have to deal with what's behind the scenes. That's why that form of godliness has no power. We've got to deal with what's behind the scenes. That's why our, so our emphasis has got to be on our thought life. We ought, to, we ought to be changing things, you know, so that our confession will come out of the overflow of what our heart believes because we've been thinking correctly. That scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks within, so is he. Now, I don't know about you, but that frees me up. Why does this freeze me, free me up? It's because it, it makes me, it makes me want to skip and run like a deer. When I, when I get, oh my goodness, some of you were just doing it. Sis Pearl, if you want to skip and run like a deer, you're welcome. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Because this is so encouraging. Because now we know what we need to focus on in order for us to live in victory. We know, what, we know what to do. It's not just, oh, I just keep confessing it and hoping it'll happen. I'll just keep saying something, hoping it'll happen. Oh, it didn't happen to him, didn't happen for her, it didn't happen for me last time. You know, that, I don't like living like that. You can live with authority over your destiny. Your thought life is the road by which Satan gets access into your life, but it's also the road by which God gets access into your life. So we need to make sure we got some police officers patrolling that road. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. So now I know what I can do. I need to be policing my thoughts and to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's not Jesus' last name. Christ is His function. It's who He is. It's what He brought. It's Christos. It's the anointing, the power of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. That lifts burdens and destroys yokes. So i got to bring every thought, which means as I'm going through my life, I may be right on track today. And I might be right in the center of God's perfect uh, understanding and will today. But the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, is going to shoot a fiery dart. And I have a shield of faith. i got to quench that fiery dart because he's trying to get those thoughts in my head. And if he gets one by my shield of faith, I've got to bring it. I've got to bring it captive to Christ and let the anointing of God crush it and destroy it. So we've got to actively be involved in what thoughts we allow in our mind. Somebody told me one time, I wish I, I think one of our kids said, I wish I could read people's minds. I said, oh no. I said, I've done enough counseling when they opened up just a little bit of it and let me know. You don't want to know what goes on in people's heads. <laughs> I want to wrap things up by giving you these quick three examples. And I, and I hope they'll make sense to you. The first one is this. If you think bad, you've got a bad thought system, you think bad, that leads to your belief system believing bad. And when you have that belief system that believes bad, it gives authority there so that now when you say something bad, bad happens. Your tongue is in agreement with your belief system that was formed by your thought processes, right? So now you can speak. 
Someone just, my mom called me this week again. She said, I need some encouragement. She plays the, the keyboard and, and the organ and for her church and had another funeral. And it was somebody her age, actually a little younger than her, and said he didn't even know he was sick. Went to the doctor and the doctor said, sir, you got cancer. He said, cancer? He said, yes, all over. He said, well, I didn't realize that. I didn't know. He said, yeah, it's so bad you probably got three days to live. And mama said, here it is, the third day he died. And now we're doing his funeral. Wow. If you've got bad thoughts, bad thinking, that believes that if an authority figure tells you according to what I've studied, you only have three days, and you accept that, there's no fight. And then they, he said it. He told his wife, well, I reckon I better get my, the, everything in order because I only got three days to live. And it happened. Seen that happen so many times. Another example here is you got bad thinking. Maybe you grew up with it. You grew up with this bad thinking that, 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 that led to a bad belief system. But maybe you've heard Pastor Tim preach a sermon or two, and you're going to really try to spiritualize, get spiritual in your life, and you're going to say, no, nope, no, nope, that's what I think, I'm not, but I'm not going to give manifest to that. And you say something good. So somebody tells you, you've got three days to live. And you believe, wow, they're the doctor, they know. I've got three days to live. Oh, but Pastor Jim said I need to confess something good. So I'm going to confess I'm going, I will not die. I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Isn't that a scripture? Yeah, that's a scripture. Yeah, I'll declare that. But you don't believe it. What happens? Nothing. We see a lot of that. But look at the third example here. You took the effort and you began to meditate on the word of God. God told Joshua right before he's leading the Israelites into the promised land, he said, meditate on my word day and night. Meditate. His word in the Hebrew is ruminate. And that word ruminate is where we get the, they actually use that for how cows digest food with the different stomachs that they have. And they'll go eat their wheat or grass and it goes into one chamber and then they ruminate. They bring it back up and they chew on it and then it goes for processing. Then it comes back up. They chew on it and they get more out of it. Finally, it's digested and they get, the green turns into white milk. And we're happy for it. And ribeye steak. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. God does it. God does it. But that rumination process is the word that God used to Joshua. It says, you ruminate on my word. You meditate on my word day and night. And you will have good success in all that you do as you go into the promised land. So God wants us to reap the good, but he said, you got to get your mind right. you got to see what I'm saying, believe what I'm saying, then speak what I'm saying, and you will see it happen. So you're thinking good leads to believing good, which gives authority to good, uh, which then when you speak it, it's manifested. That's why every Sunday for 25 years, every Wednesday for 25 years, I am up here under assignment from heaven. I am here to encourage you. I am here to give you the Word of God. I am here to help you renew your mind and remind yourself and bring you back into center so that you have the good thinking, uh, which is building a good belief system that is based on God's Word so that when you're faced with whatever, you can speak to it and the power of God flows through you and your words and life and blessing comes rather than death and curses. Hallelujah! Glory to God. So we close with this scripture in Philippians 4 and 8. It says, let hope the light bulb comes on for every one of us. Finally, brethren, those who are believers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, 
whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, ruminate, think on these things. Finally, brethren, he said, this is how you succeed. This is what you must do. You must train your mind, discipline your mind to think on that, the things of God and that which is pure and lovely and praiseworthy and noble. And let me tell you what he says. And as you do that, think on these things. It will establish a belief system in you based upon the Word of God that when you begin to speak and go through life, there will be authority in your words. God says, I have it. Now I can back it up. What you say, I can back it up. I can bring the reinforcements of heaven to back it up because you're saying not only the Word of God, but you're saying the Word that you believe. Faith without works is dead. And the Word of God says... It is impossible to please God without faith. So his, this is how he set it up. That it's not just head to mouth. This is what the word says. I say it, bam. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please me. So he gives it to us, our computer, and our computer processes it, deposits it in our heart. Our heart believes it. Now from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that's when it comes to pass. That's salvation in a nutshell. If you will believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And that word saved is sozo. It means healed, delivered, got eternal salvation there. You're going to heaven. It means uh, prospered. It means all wrongs made right. Sozo. We translate it salvation, but sozo. It's the same word Jesus used with blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus said, Son of David, have mercy on me. As Jesus was walking by, Jesus stopped and said, Come to me. And he comes, this blind man, blind from his mother's womb, comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, Your faith has made you sozo. There it's translated whole. Same word, sozo, as Romans 10, 9 and 10. So there's one example of physical healing. Then I could take you to where God had saved them from a, a, a need that they had. So the need was met, a physical need, sozo. All through the New Testament, sozo covers all, where whatever's broken is made whole. When you believe in your heart, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, there's power. I want you to go into this week knowing that and doing that, if you will. Let's stand together. Fathers, we stand in your presence now close of this service, Lord God, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that your word is more powerful than anything the enemy will ever bring against us. And we have your Holy Spirit. You tell us that our body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. I pray that each and every person under the sound of my voice would first and foremost, they would call upon your name today, Jesus. If you're here today and you've not called upon Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. And you can be born again right now. If you'll believe in your heart, Jesus is the Son of God. God has raised Him from the dead. If you believe that and you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, 
That means you now surrender to Him. He is the Lord, the ruler of your life. You're no longer living for you, but you're going to live for Him. You're going to live for the purpose and the plan and the destiny of that which He created you. You now surrender to His Lordship. The Bible says you will be saved. Call upon Him now, Jesus, Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Just tell Him, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And the Bible says to be born again, our bodies become the temple now of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of God wants to dwell in you, to, to revitalize you, to strengthen you, to energize you, to build you up. And, but you need to invite Him to have full rule and reign. So just say, Holy Spirit, come fill this temple, fill this house, fill me now. Jesus said, if you ask the Father for the Holy Ghost, that the, the Father will not withhold Him from you. He will give you the Holy Spirit in full measure. Holy Spirit, we need you. We want to be a temple, a walking temple of the Spirit of God. You need a place to operate from and through. Here I am. I make myself available to you. Tell Him. Tell Him. Hallelujah. Now you've got to work with this, work on these thinking processes. Holy Spirit, show us now. Is there any files in our, in our mind, any files that maybe have some misinformation, wrong information, or lacking information? Holy Spirit, just ask Him now. Holy Spirit, show me what files they are. Show me the wrong belief systems that I have. Show me the ways I'm thinking that don't align with the Word of God. I'm open for correction. If you'll make yourself vulnerable to Him, He'll show you. If you're prideful and you want to do your own thing and continue in your own way, He'll let you become the prodigal son that goes to the pig, pig pen and have to eat the slop with the pigs, hoping that you'll come to yourself. But if you want to come back to the Father and you want to come and walk in the favor and the blessing of Him, say, Holy Spirit, I humble myself. Show me. Is there, is there some wrong thought patterns that I have? Yes, Lord, I see that one. Wow, yes, Lord, I see how that one can lead to a lot of pain. Mm, yes, Lord. Just ask Him to show you. Show me, Lord. Now tell Him, God, I'm committed, but I need your help. And if you'll ask God for help, He is, he is ready to come alongside and assist you. He's not going to force Himself on you, but He will assist you. Say, God, I need help this week. As I go into this week, I need help from you to help me identify these files, identify these faulty thinkings, identify them, and then to reverse them, reverse the curse, to renew my mind, and to reach out for help and assistance, even from my, my pastors and my teachers, Lord, that whatever I need to do to make sure I get this thing properly aligned, so that I can start meditating on it and ruminating on it and get, it, get the nourishment out of it established in me, my belief system, so that when I speak with authority that you back it up, God, every word from you. So show them to me now. I believe we really need to deal with a spirit of pride and pride would say, I'm okay, everything's fine, I'm just perfect, everything's good, don't worry about this. So let's, let's smack it in the teeth right now. Let's smack pride into teeth right now. And let's do it by doing it this here. If you're here today and you, the Lord has shown you there's some faulty thinking, there's some files that you need to work on in your thinking processes, I want you to just let's smack pride into teeth and come around this altar. Just come stand around here for a final prayer. 
And as you walk up here, you're saying, I'm not ashamed. I'm not letting pride hold me in, shame hold me. I've got some areas I need to be working on this week, and I'm asking God for help. So, Lord God, I'm humbling myself by making a step and an outward show here, even this service, where I'm coming up to you, Lord God. I'm saying, I need your help. So if you want to reach out for the help of God to help and assist you this week in reversing and renewing your mind, just show it to him right now by casting off that spirit of pride. Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. We need Jesus and we need the Father. So let's take care of that right now. Lord, we come. Lord, as we come around this altar this morning, Lord God, and we stand here, we're saying to you first and foremost, God, I place my faith in you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior, Jesus. You are my Redeemer. I surrender my life to you. I want to live my life to the fullest to bring glory and honor to you. Here am I, a willing, ser a willing servant and a willing vessel. But Lord God, my, my thinking processes uh, over the years, the enemy and, and through uh, ignorance and other issues, I've got some wrong thought processes and I need help. I need help. So I'm here today. Just tell him while you're standing. I'm here today, God. I'm asking you to pencil me in. Pencil me in, Lord God, that, that this week you're going to sit down with me as I sit down with you. And Lord God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you and I'm going to begin to write down and you, Holy Spirit, you're going to guide me through the Word. You're going to guide me through my, this process and you're going to help me identify and, and start seeking help on reversing the curse and renewing my mind. Lord, I know it all is not going to be taken care of this week, but God, I want it to start right now. I want it to begin right now. And I want you to know, God, I need your help. I need your help. And I'm counting on you, God. I'm counting on you. I want to fulfill my destiny. I want to fulfill my purpose. And I want to fulfill it with power. And I want to fulfill it with accuracy. And I want to fulfill it, Lord God, in such a way that brings glory and honor to you. So here I'm, here my Lord God. I am yours. You are mine. Let's make, let's get together this week, God. I'm ready. Just tell him I'm ready. I'm ready. Father, I pray now as we go into this week, God, with commitments that are made between individuals and you, Lord God, that as we go, Lord, let your favor, let your blessing, let your anointing, let wisdom like we've never tasted before. Let us feast upon wisdom from you, Lord God, this week as we bring renewal and understanding and correction to our mindsets, Lord God, as we can get that process into our hearts so that our belief system is, is established upon the plumb line of your word, Lord God, so that our Confession will begin to bring forth manifest of great power for you, God, in your glory and your honor. Lord, I love you today. I bless you. Just tell him, I bless you, Lord. Go ahead and start thanking him right now. Say, Lord, I thank you. Things are getting much better. I thank you. Things are turning around. Say, I thank you, Lord. This is going to be an amazing week. Say, I thank you, Lord. Just say, I thank you, God, for the miracles. I thank you, God, for your favor. I thank you, God, for your blessings. I thank you now. Just say, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, and we, we magnify your holy name. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.